Jesus said that the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. And that mustard seed of God's kingdom can reside within you and be all around you if you have eyes to see it. And in this little parable, Jesus says three things about the mustard seed. He says, it's very small. As it grows, it becomes the largest, the greatest of all shrubs. And it provides value to the birds. They can find shade there. They can make their nests there. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. Now, how does that mustard seed of God's kingdom grow in us and around us? It's small, Jesus says, but it's deep. In that way, it's a little like Lake Mohawk in upstate New York. Do you know about this lake? It's a small lake, but when surveyors came to it and they thought, let's find out just how deep this lake is, and they threw the line in to find out, the line couldn't find the bottom. And so they went away and they got like a longer line, the longest line they had, and they threw it in again to see how deep does this lake go. Again, they could find no bottom because what they came to find out is that Lake Mohawk is actually what's called a crevasse. Crevasse, is that how you say that? It's basically a, it's a cut in the earth that just goes way, 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 way down. They can't even find the bottom of it. It looks like a shallow lake, but it is actually like an open crack in the earth. And in the same way, it's like the longer you follow God in the way of Jesus, you, the more you find out like, th there's, like, there's no, like there's no bottom. Like God just keeps going and going. Like you could spend your whole entire life plumbing the depths of God and come to the end of your life and feel like, I've only just begun. God's kingdom, it's like this small mustard seed that grows into this greatest of bushes. Jesus says the mustard seed is small, it's deep, it grows to become the greatest. Now, let me ask you this. When you think of, like, what is the greatest, what comes to mind for you? When you think... What is the greatest of a human life? What do you tend to think of? Do you think of the person who has the most success or maybe has been, like, given the greatest honor? When you think of someone who's, like, the greatest, do you think of someone who is super accomplished or, or maybe very wealthy? Or what is it that you associate with greatness? What comes to mind you what makes someone great usually in our culture greatness gets defined kind of along the lines of three things right it's like what do you do what do you have and who do you know and depending on the answers to those three questions we'll decide if you are great based on what you do what you have who you know it's like the whole culture of our of our world sort of it, it revolves around this one question. So what do you do? You know, you go to a dinner party. It, it only takes a few minutes, right, interacting with somebody new for that question to pop up. So what do you do? And depending on the answer, 
we think we know right away who that person is, right? Like, so what do you do? Oh, I'm a stay-at-home mom. Ah, got it. Gotcha. We know, now we know who you are. We know all about you, right? Or, oh, you're a CEO. Okay, right, now I know. Now I have you in this box. What do you do? That is what, it's, it's so deep in our culture. It's like the air that we breathe. But the mustard seed of the kingdom of God says something else. It actually says that being precedes doing. That your being comes before your doing. You know, when Jesus was baptized in the scriptures, there's a story, Jesus is baptized, and then he's like immediately sent into the wilderness. And remember at his baptism, like the voice comes from heaven, says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Like his being is affirmed, his, his being, his identity is given. Who are you? You're loved by me. It's really what we just sang about. You're a good, good father, and I'm loved by you. And that being is the beginning of, it's the basis for all good doing in the world. But in our culture, we get those reversed. We think it's about what you do and what you have and who you know. But actually, the mustard seed of God's kingdom and would be that being precedes doing. With Jesus, he's, he's heard these words from heaven. And the best part about that is Jesus hasn't done anything when these words from heaven come at his baptism. He hasn't preached any sermons yet. He hasn't healed anybody. He hasn't done any miracles yet. But in being, the Father loves him. And he, Jesus, receives the Father's love. And in that, he has his anchor. In that, he has his center. In that love, he is grounded. He's received the Father's love. And then in the scriptures, what immediately happens is that he goes into the wilderness and he's tempted by the devil. And what's so interesting is he's tempted to doing. Right? The devil is like, well, why don't you turn these stones into bread? And why don't you throw yourself off this thing? And why don't you worship me? Why don't you do all these things? In other words, like, why don't you go do something to prove that you are lovable? Why don't you go show us, prove us that you're worthy by what you do? But see, for Jesus, that's already been settled. And he does not give in to that temptation. Jesus resists it and remains anchored in the love of the Father. And then out of that, he does many things. But being loved by the Father precedes doing. And here's the thing. If we don't do it that way, what happens is we, just, we end up doing all sorts of things that end up being a false self for you and for me. And when we do things without having a centered being, it really is what you call a false self. You're being somebody that you're not really. 
You're being it for many reasons. Maybe so that you can prove something, maybe because someone had that expectation of you. But you're being someone you're not because you don't know who you are. You're not anchored because you don't know your beingness in the love of God. You know, we're not human doings. We're human beings. And that's a piece of what it means to live in the kingdom is to live right there. So for the mustard seed, it's the smallest. It ends up the greatest. And it's just one of many, many ways that Jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven. And in all of these different ways, it's like it is so upside down to the way that our world would teach us to live. Like the kingdom of this world would say, pursue comfort. The kingdom of heaven says, pick up your cross. The kingdom of this world is going to say, you are what you do. The kingdom of heaven is going to say, God's already named you. The kingdom of this world is going to say, like, you are what you have, what you accumulate, what you possess. The kingdom of heaven is going to say, sell all you have. The kingdom of this world is going to teach us to chase those shiny things. But the kingdom of heaven is going to say, there is a pearl of great price that when you see it, you want it so much, you would abandon all to find it, to have it. I heard this great story by a rabbi. It's very simple, but this rabbi just said this. When I was young, I set out to change the world. When I grew a little older, I perceived that this was too ambitious. So I set out to change my state. This, too, I realized was too ambitious, and so I set out to change my town. When I realized I couldn't even do that, I tried to change my family. But now, as an old man, I realize I should have started by changing myself. If I had started with myself, maybe I would have succeeded in changing my family, maybe the town, even the state, who knows, maybe even the world. And I love that because the best gift you give is your true self. It's the best gift you give your family, your friends, your neighbors, your vocation. It's the best gift you give. Not only is this mustard seed, it's small, it becomes the greatest, but there's also this piece in the parable where it provides shade for the birds. It provides the birds a place to nest. In other words, it provides something of value to what surrounds it. And that happens to you and I, too, when the kingdom grows in us and when the kingdom is invested in it around us. The birds find shade in the branches of this great shrub that has started out as a little mustard seed. They, pro they find provision there. It really is this theme throughout Scripture that we see that God... God is hidden in the marginalized. And by marginalized, we mean like people outside of the mainstream. So the margins are people who are poor and unstrategic, unimpressive, the orphan, the widow, the immigrant, the disabled, the mentally challenged, the mentally ill, people who can't speak for themselves, addicts, criminals, 
people who are like in the background of all the main things that seem to be going on in the world. They're the people for whom basically the world either does one of two things, outright contempt for people on the margins or just totally ignore. They don't sit on the paper. I mean, when you think about like just that idea of marginalized or the margins, you, you think about a book and when you buy a book and you open the book to read it, you don't look at the margins. You bought the book for the words. You don't go and open a book and just study the margins of it. And that, in a way, is the way life works. Like, you go through life, and just naturally, you see the main people. You don't see the people on the margins unless you begin to train your eyes to see. God is hidden in the margins, in the marginalized. People on the margins are not going to be the people on the cover of People magazine or in Vogue, or they're not going to be Time's best person of the year. But the funny thing is, Jesus says, like, when you throw a banquet, invite these folks. Invite the poor. Invite the people on the margins. Invite the blind, the lame, the crippled. Um, I was at this wedding last weekend, and I met this lovely couple who's been in ministry for like 40 years, probably. They've um, been pastors or missionaries and just done different things. And um, you know, you meet those people, you're like, I just have the, um, the experience of the fragrance of Christ when I am with you. And um, it was interesting in getting to know them because um, we learned over dinner that they have a 30-year-old daughter with major developmental d disabilities. Um, she is 30, but she is nonverbal. She is still in diapers. Um, you know, she, she cannot speak. She, she lives in a small group home. And in getting to know their story, you know, Tim asked kind of the question along the lines of, like, you know, tell us what the, this experience has been like. She, their daughter lived with them until she was like 25. She's like 30-ish now. And, um, and the, you know, the mom, the mom just said, she has taught us the nature of love. Sounds like the kingdom to me. Right? It sounds like the mustard seed. It sounds like that place where you're like, yeah, wouldn't it just be like God? to use the people that the world has either shown contempt for or totally ignored to be the very place like where we are schooled in love. It is just the way of the kingdom. See, she doesn't have to do anything to merit being loved, to merit being valuable, I mean, in talking with this mom at the wedding, it, it just sounded like the kingdom to me. And Paul talked about this in 1 Corinthians. You know, he, he's talking to a church, and he says this, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. The parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. 
do those who are considered marginalized or considered failures or the ones that you don't understand actually bring great balance to the world because they are often the ones who teach us the most important things about love and patience and gentleness and the nature of kindness. It's like when your false self and ego takes off in all the directions that chase that which is shiny and impressive and important, it is often the way of Jesus to use someone who is vulnerable and weak and on the margins to draw you back to what is really important, to school you in the ways of the kingdom, to show you the nature of love. Because life is not, it's not ultimately about the power and fame and accumulation of good things. It's not about getting into the best schools or having the fanciest degrees. It's not about your net worth. It's not about where you live. But the push of our world is always going to be to pretend or to somehow prove that you're so big and important. But you're not, right? Like you are weak and vulnerable, just like everybody else. And when we're with people on the margins who are in deep weakness, deep vulnerabilities, like really marginalized, we actually discover so much about the kingdom there, so much about ourselves, so much about God. We get in touch with our own brokenness. That is a gift. And that is why so many people through history have understood Jesus' words when he said in Matthew 25, these words, you know, I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. I thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was naked, you clothed me. The rest of the world said, I just ignore. The rest of the world maybe even had contempt, had a lot of judgment. Jesus is like, yeah, that, that's what I am. I don't know if you know much about the story of um, Francis of Assisi. If you do, you probably know this already, but Francis of Assisi, um, St. Francis, definition of a saint is someone who can will just one thing. And we call St. Francis a saint because he, he found a way to, to will just one thing. But, but part of his story, so interesting, is that he detested lepers. He just hated lepers. And in the 1100s in Italy, lepers were, had foul smell, very, very stinky. He could not, he just total contempt, total disgust for lepers. And one day, St. Francis is on his horse, and he sees a leper who he just cannot stand, cannot ha handle the sight, cannot handle the smell. And God says, go kiss that man. Because St. Francis was a saint who could will one thing and always said yes to the invitation of God's spirit, he got off his horse and he kissed that man. 
and St. Francis of Assisi didn't, um, he didn't convert as in join a new religion in that moment, but he said that was a conversion for him, that in that moment something changed, that he met God there, and that he was never again the same, that that was a conversion of sorts for him. And God's ways are like that. Like God's ways, they're little, they're slow, they're um, like a mustard seed in that way. They're often unimpressive. It, I mean, uh, it is really tempting for churches in America to want to be big and fast and impressive, to look polished and slick and beautiful. It, it's very tempting. And it might be tempting for you too to want your life to look that way. It might be tempting for you to want to be polished or big or impressive. And you might be tempted to like compare yourself to other people and think, gosh, like, what have I done with my life? Like I am such a loser, my goodness, not impressive at all compared to so-and-so. But may you never forget that the kingdom of God is not like that. It's like a mustard seed. It's small. It's little. Jesus says, it will look insignificant what God is doing. It's going to look insignificant. It's going to look powerless. It's going to look defeated. And actually, right there, God's plan is advancing. So don't be fooled. Like nothing can stop it. And so when you show off to like some little small group in the basement of a church for a bunch of year over year over year, and you're like, why is this thing not growing? Why is this even, doesn't really seem like anything too huge is happening here. Do not be fooled. Because wherever two or three gather, God is present there. And when you love one another and care for one another, that is the kingdom of God advancing. Even when it doesn't look big and impressive from the outside. Or, you know, if you are tutoring a kid in the local school and they're like, falling asleep in your sessions and you're thinking about what is the point of this like surely this is someone else could do a better job if God has called you to that thing do not lose heart because the kingdom of God is advancing there you know when you're doing dishes for your family and it feels like what is the point of my life here I am doing dishes again (laughs) you know or you're navigating some total craziness in the nonprofit or company that you lead and you're like why am I doing this you know what when God has called you to that work he will meet you in that work and that is good work and the kingdom of God can be advancing right there so don't be fooled when you give in secret when you pray for your enemy when you bless somebody who's hurt you or persecuted you when you bless rather than curse you know what It might seem insignificant. It might seem like, I don't see any results. But don't be fooled. Because this is the nature of the kingdom of God. Like, you just even think about the life of Jesus. Jesus did not look powerful. Herod, on the other hand, I mean, he had built massive temples. Rome was a glorious city for its time. Athens? They had Plato, they had Aristotle, brilliant philosophers. Here is Jesus from Nazareth, 
teaching in Galilee, teaching in parables, teaching to like uneducated, unlearned farmers. This is Jesus. It didn't look very good. It looked defeated. It looked powerless. It looked weak. The smallness of the kingdom, it's always been a scandal. And it will continue to be a scandal. It's the nature of the kingdom. Things are not as they appear. And the, the greatest lessons, and you know, when you think about people of great wisdom, the greatest lessons, and this is going to be true for you and I in our lives as well, it already is. And it will continue to be the case. The greatest things often come because of pain and suffering. It is the business of God to take, like, your pain and suffering, you know, married with his grace and love, and to redeem that into a transforming story in your life, in your family, generationally, breaking patterns, saying it is a new day. We're not going to continue this thing that was true of grandpa and true of dad. And But you know what? I'm going to be the one, by God's grace, to break that cycle. This is how the kingdom of God works. So don't be discouraged, you know, by small beginnings, fits and starts. Don't be discouraged when you feel like God is hidden. I can't find God here. Don't be discouraged when you feel like, what is the point? It's the way God works. God's kingdom is like a mustard seed. And above all, like whatever you are facing, don't be afraid. Because God is with you today and every day, no matter what you face. You hold the hand of the one whose love for you knows no limit. And my invitation to all of us is to remain, right? To remain with Jesus no matter what may come. To remain in him even when you want to quit. To stay with him even when you see nothing happening. Because the kingdom of love, the kingdom of God, it is little like a mustard seed. And somehow it grows into this massive tree. And you might just be like, my life is not worth that much. I feel like everybody else got five talents and I only got one. And what's the point of, you know, what I've been given? You may not feel like you've been given very much. You may say to yourself, this is not where I thought I would be by now. Or you might feel like you are not on the right track, but I just want to say, you know, your life, your life is greater than you think, and it's not because of an impressive resume. It's not because of your accomplishments, but your life is greater than you think because of the image of God deep down within you. So may that seed get nurtured and watered and grow. And God's assigned you, God's assigned each of us tasks, only have your name on them. They're the ones that are just for you. So don't be distracted by somebody else's race. Let's together like keep our eyes fixed on him and run the race he's marked out for us. Let's pray together as we close. God, may we have eyes to see the mustard seed that is 
May that kingdom grow among us, we pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.